Well, hi there, everyone, and welcome to another week of the good news according to Job. Uh, if you have been joining us this whole time, it, it is, it's with great excitement that we approach the end of Job. Uh, we have two weeks left this week and next week to really look at Job as a whole. And uh, yeah, and then we're finally done with the entire book of Job. And I hope it's been uh, challenging, but also encouraging and a great reminder of uh, just how phenomenal uh, as we look at Job, how we see the significance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. So as we turn to this passage this week, we are looking at the final section of the discourse of the Lord as he speaks to Job, as he reveals to Job something phenomenal and beautiful. Uh, and as we turn to it today, I, I really hope that you'll read it and, and grasp a, a picture that gets painted for us and really see it for what it says. <clears throat> what I'm going to do for us is, it is quite a lengthy piece, but I thought it would be fitting to actually read this section with uh, with you this or today and to just see the, the pictures that get painted and hopefully it will help you to, to get a feel for what the Lord is saying. But I'm going to pick up not with uh, initially with what the Lord says, but actually what is wedged in between the two sections of the Lord's discourse. Uh, there's this little piece where Job says something. Uh, and this is phenomenal for us to just be reminded that uh, in the midst of all of this, Job does have something to say, but in one sense, he doesn't have anything to say. And we'll just pick up on that as we move into what the Lord says. So let's turn there. We are looking at uh, Job 40, and we are picking up in verse 3. Then Job answered the Lord, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Look at the behemoth, which I made along with you, and which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength it has in its loins, what power in the muscles of its belly. Its tail sways like a cedar, the sinews of its thighs are close-knit. Its bones are tubes of bronze, its limbs like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with his sword. The hills bring it their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plants it lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses conceal it in their shadows. The poplars by the stream surround it. A raging river does not alarm it. It is secure, though the Jordan should surge against its mouth. Can anyone capture it by the eyes 
or trap it and pierce its nose? Can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook or tie it down tie down its tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through its nose or pierce its jaw with a hook? Will I keep begging you will it keep begging you for mercy? Will it speak to you with gentle words? Will it make an agreement with you for you to take it as your slave for life? Can you make a pet of it like a bird, or put it on a leash for the young woman in your house? Will traders barter for it? Will they divide it up among the merchants? Can you fill its hide with harpoons or its head with fishing spears? If you lay a hand on it, you will remember the struggle and never do it again. Any hope of subduing it is false. The mere sight of it is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse it. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. I will not fail to speak of Leviathan's limbs, its strength and its graceful form. Who can strip off its outer coat? Who can penetrate its double coat of armor? Who dares open the doors of its mouth, ringed ringed about with fearsome teeth? Its back has rows of shields tightly sealed together. Each is so close to the next that no air can pass between. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. Its snorting throws out flashes of light. Its eyes are like the rays of dawn. Flames stream from its mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from its nostrils. It's from the boiling pot over burning reeds. Its breath sets coals ablaze and flames dart from its mouth. Strength resides in its neck. Dismay goes before it. The folds of its flesh are tightly joined. They are firm and immovable. Its chest is hard as rock, hard as as a lower millstone. When it rises up, the mighty are terrified. They retreat before its thrashing. Sword that reaches it has no effect, nor does a spear or the dart or the javelin. Iron it treats like straw and bronze, like rotten wood. Arrows do not make it flee. Slingshots are like chaff to it. A club seems to it but a piece of straw. It laughs at the rattling of the lance. Its undersides are jagged potsherds, leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sledge. It makes the depths churn like a boiling cauldron and stirs up the sea like a pot of ointment. It leaves the glistening wake behind it. One would think the deep had white hair. Nothing on earth is is its equal, a creature without fear. It looks down on all the hoity. It is the king over all that are proud. So this is the passage that we are looking at this morning. And the reason for reading it is hopefully you you get a feeling of the picture that gets painted. Uh, it's a phenomenal picture. And the first time I, I read it, it it really stirred something of a visual nature. Uh, it stirs something in you. And as you think this through, as you picture it in your mind, you, you get these pictures coming to the front. And hopefully as I read it, 
you have pictures in your mind. Uh, not, not pictures from what people have told you, but pictures simply from reading it and hearing it. Uh, you, can, you can picture this thing, these creatures in front of you, at least, that, that is painted for you. And so the Lord turns to Job, and, and, and Job has nothing to say at this point. He is without words. He cannot say anything uh, in light of who God is and what God has already revealed to him. And now the Lord is about to speak once more. And so he, he starts it in a very similar way as he did earlier on uh, in the previous section, in the previous part of his discourse. And the Lord says, gather yourself, be prepared, uh, protect yourself. I'm about to speak. I'm about to question you and you give an answer to what, uh, yeah, give me an answer to what you think about who I am. So there's three sections ultimately to, to, this, to this section that we are looking at. Uh, today in chapters 40 and 41. And what I want to highlight for us is we are going to look at the two creatures firstly and really just get a glimpse of what these creatures look like, what they symbolize, what they paint for us as we think about them and how that ties in with uh, God's wisdom. And then we'll finally look at the last uh, The last section is actually the first section and just highlight again uh, the challenge that uh, God puts out there because that that's crucial in understanding why he paints this picture for us why he uses these creatures as an image for us to look at so the first picture that we are given is there in uh, chapter 40 verse 15 to 24 and that is of the behemoth uh, the second image that we are given is in chapter 41 and that's uh, from verse 1 through to 34. There's a section in between there that actually seems to highlight something slightly different. But as a, as a whole, that paints the picture really of the Leviathan. And so you've got these two creatures. What are these creatures? Uh, there's a lot of speculation that people make uh, as to what they could be. Uh, what are these creatures? Could they be creatures that we know today? Could it be other creatures? Is it mythical creatures? Is it... Uh, symbolism, what, what exactly is it? And I think we need to be careful that we don't try and find something that matches the description. I don't think that's the purpose of this. The purpose is not, we aren't given a description of the behemoth and the Leviathan to find a description that matches them, uh, but instead to see what they represent, to see how they are spoken about. Uh, so the first thing that we want to pick up is the behemoth. And just to glance at some of the, the phrases and things that are used there, uh, in verse 15, it says, which I made along with you and which feeds on grass like an ox. So this is a creature that God says I made along with you, just like you. I created the behemoth and the same will go for the Leviathan. I created these creatures. I am the Lord, the God of creation, and I created them. But on top of that, what he also highlights is that this is a creature that eats grass. It's not a predator. It's not a creature that is uh, perhaps described or seen as, as a ferocious creature. It's a creature that simply eats grass. Uh, so as soon as you read that, uh, at least it paints this picture for you. It is a, whatever the creature is, however big it is, it's a creature that looks perhaps in some ways like an ox that has, uh, that isn't a ferocious creature that hungers for other animals, the flesh of animals. It is a peaceable creature. It's placid, it's calm. Uh, then the other thing that we can pick up is that it is large. Its size is incredibly massive. Uh, what strength it has in its loins, what power in the muscle of its belly. Its tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are close-knit. Its bones are tubes of bronze. It 
its limbs like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with his sword. It's a really massive creature, but it's an approachable creature by God. Uh, It is approachable for him, of course, but it is a strong picture of a strong, sturdy, uh, strength-filled creature. Uh, And that's important for us to pick up on. This first creature, this behemoth, whatever the creature is in in and of itself, it is a picture for us of strength, of stability, of strong soundness, uh, something that's not easily moved. Uh, And then what is also interesting is it's a peaceable creature. If you want to pick up there in verse Uh, If you see in verse 20, it says the hills bring it their produce. Again, a reminder that there is this creature that lives off the land uh, in a very natural, off the plants and those things. And all the wild animals play nearby. Uh, Such a a peculiar phrase that we pick up there. But it gives us a picture that animals aren't afraid of it. Animals don't fear it, so animals don't run from it. So once again, this is not a predatorial creature. It is a creature that is great in stature, massive, strong, firm, uh, and all the wild creatures play around it, play nearby. They don't run away from it. And then verse 21 adds another dimension. Under the lotus plants it lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. It, it's a it's a reserve creature. It hides. It's, it doesn't seek the attention uh, of, other, of other creatures. It doesn't seek the attention of our, our attention in that sense. It's a, it's a creature that will take refuge. It, takes, it hides. Uh, and it continues in verse 22. The lotuses conceal it in their shadow. The poplars by the stream surround it. Um, a raging river does not alarm it. It is, a, it is secure. Though the Jordan should surge against its mouth, can anyone capture it by the eyes or trap it and pierce its nose? Yeah, though it may be a placid creature, it's not moved by a surging river, so it won't easily be moved. Uh, again, the, the picture of stability, of soundness there. And also it is not a creature that's easily uh, simply tameable. It's not something that you can take... Uh, like an ox in that sense, and put a ring through its nose and use it for your for your work. It's it's a big creature. It's not going to work in that way. So this first picture that we get is it's helpful if we can get that picture of stability, of soundness, of strength, of uh, firmness, uh, but of stature, of size. It is great, and this is one of God's most incredible uh, things that He has made. He says He tells us that uh, it's. It ranks first among the works of God, verse 19 there, which is interesting. It's God regards it as something uh, incredible and beautiful. And this is important for us to just pick up on as it is going to paint us not only a picture of the creature and what, it, uh, what it's all about, but it's going to paint another picture for us. And we'll take a look at that in a moment. The next creature that we see is the Leviathan. This time round, instead of putting a ring through its nose, uh, it's uh, speaking about trying to capture it. And it starts in a very similar way to which the behemoth ends. Uh, we, can't, uh, we won't be able to put a ring through the nose of that creature, the behemoth. But equally so, we will not be able to capture uh, the, the Leviathan. Uh, can you put a cord through its nose or pierce its jaw with a hook? This is not a creature that you can simply go out and capture. 
And the reason for that is, as it says in verse 5, uh, can you make a pet of it like a bird or put it on a leash for your, for the young woman in your house? Uh, this is not a creature that you can simply tame and treat it like a bird or a dog or a cat or whatever. It is not a creature like that. This is a ferocious creature. And if you come into contact with it and if you try and uh, try and capture it, uh, you will never forget the day. You will be terrified. Um, notice uh, just some more of the, the the pictures that we get painted for us. So picking up in verse 3, will it keep begging you for mercy? It's not a creature that will beg for mercy. It's not never at your mercy in actual fact. Will it speak to you with gentle words? This is not a gentle creature like perhaps the behemoth where the other creatures want to play around it. Uh, and then... Uh, in verse 4, will it make an agreement with you for you to take it as as your slave for life? This is not a creature that uh, you want to mess around with. Um, and so you really get a picture of just how ferocious this creature is. And then reading just verse 8 there, it says, If you lay a hand on it, you will remember the struggle and never do it again. Uh, if you are going to try um, to lay a hand on this creature, you will regret the day you tried. Uh, that's the picture. Absolute contrast to the picture that we receive in light of the behemoth. The picture that we get uh, regarding the Leviathan here is absolutely the opposite. A uh, ferocious creature. It flails around. It's violent. It's aggressive. It's strong. It's uh, something that you don't want to cross paths with, for that matter. And then verses 12 to 34, again, just expands this picture of what the Leviathan looks like. Uh, to the point in verse 18 where it, it paints this actually incredibly graphic picture of, of what this thing looks like. It's snorting throws out flames of light. Its eyes are like the rays of dawn. Flames stream from its mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from its nostrils as from the boiling pot over burning reeds. Its breath sets coals ablaze. The flame and flames dart from its mouth. Strength resides in its neck. Dismay goes before it. And so this picture is painted of how violent and actually how uh, frightening this creature looks. Even its eyes are glowing red, uh, like that of uh, the of the dawn, the sun at dawn. And so you are absolutely uh, should be in frightened by the picture that you are getting of this description of this leviathan uh, but on top of that this leviathan is not a creature that you can pierce or attack uh, your own arrows or slings are like chaff to it 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 is uh, sticks it is weak it is not able to do any harm to this creature this creature is um as you pick up there in verse 27, just to get a glimpse of it, iron it treats like straw and bronze like rotten wood. Arrows do not make it flee. Slingshots are like chaff to it. A club seems to it but a piece of straw. It laughs at the rattling of the lance. This creature is so incredibly strong that nothing can come against it. And so these are the two images that we get. One massive creature of that's placid and calm, that eats 
grass like an ox and another one that's ferocious that's nostrils flare up and smoke billows from its nostrils and its mouth uh, flame flaming dart flames dart from it so such a strong image and contrasting image but why why are we given these two images here of these two creatures what is god trying to show job because if you recall correctly what is about to happen is the Lord is speaking to Job and Job needs to actually respond to him in some way or form. And the Lord is saying, now I'm going to show you who I am. And what's phenomenal is the Lord doesn't simply show Job who he is. Uh, what is strange is that the Lord shows him instead creation. The first aspect of creation, he shows him how incredibly complex his creation is, how he made all sorts of creatures in bizarre ways at times. But according to his plan and according to his purpose and according to what he wanted them to look like and be like. Uh, and now we get to this section where you have these two bizarre creatures that he paints for us. And, and you wonder what, why? Why are they the way they are? Why do they look the way they are? And why is God showing Job this? How is this pointing Job to who the Lord is? Well, there's a couple of things that we can that we can pick up from uh, and and really phenomenal pictures when you start to dig into them and to see these creatures and what the Lord is actually showing Job here. Uh, because Job is going to respond in a very unique way, in a very exciting way actually for us as we look at it. But as we look at these creatures, what do they, why do we see it? Why is it painted like this for us? Well, there's two aspects to it. Uh, the first is to see that God is God over these creatures. God is the Lord God over them. Uh, no one uh, can actually uh, create creatures like this other than the Lord himself. So if the Lord chooses, he can create creatures of any shape, form, size, fierceness, meekness, whatever he wants. He can create it. And so you look at this passage and you see here, uh, look at verse chapter 41, verse 9 onwards. He says this. This is interesting for us to just pick up on it. It says, Any hope of subduing it is false. The mere sight of it is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse it. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. And so this language shifts in this in this part of the the picture that we are given of the Leviathan. And the Lord writes himself into it. He says, well, nobody can stand against the Leviathan. Nobody can come against the power of this creature. No one is fierce enough to actually rouse this creature. And then he says, who then is able to stand against me? Which is a very interesting phrase. Why does he say that? Why does he say, who can then stand against me? Is God saying something peculiar here? Is he perhaps saying something that we are needing to just investigate a little bit further? And I think it is. I think we need to explore this just a little bit deeper. He paints this picture of the Leviathan, this creature over chaos, this creature of the sea that people have feared, that is marked by other cultures, other beliefs, that it is a creature of chaos that nobody can tame. And then the Lord says, I am the one who created this creature. I am the one who is over this creature. Well, in fact, he says in verse 11, he says this in the second half, he says, everything under heaven belongs to me, even the Leviathan, even this creature that you would so fear. 
And so that's a phenomenal little statement there, but a little bit confusing still. So why is he making this transition from looking at the Leviathan to saying he is over all creation? Well, I think it's important for us to pick up that perhaps the Lord isn't simply uh, showing Job two creatures to be in awe of how incredible he is and what he can create. But I think in God's incredible wisdom, he is showing him two pictures of himself. Now, perhaps that seems like a shocker. Maybe that seems strange to to think through. But the two pictures that we are given here, these two creatures, is one of a creature of stability, soundness, strength, uh, security, uh, but meekness at the same time. And the other one is ferociousness, uh, almost bloodthirsty uh, image of a creature that will rip into anything and destroy anything and bring about chaos. And as you look at these creatures, there is language interwoven into it. And notice the final phrase that's used uh, in verses uh, 33 and 34 of chapter 41 to describe uh, the Leviathan. Listen to these words. It says, verse 33, nothing on earth is its equal, a creature without fear. It looks down on all that are hoity. It is king over all that are proud. Uh, this is a bizarre phrase, and and if you if you have if you reading through your through through scripture and reading through the Old Testament in particular, maybe there is some references to that kind of language that you pick up on. Uh, as for as for us at Crossroads, yeah, we've obviously been looking at uh, at one Samuel, one and two Samuel. And it's very similar language that you find in in the book of Samuel. And in particular, there is the picture of Hannah's prayer uh, that she gives in the beginning of 1 Samuel that highlights the hoity that will be brought down. Uh, And it's really interesting that this language is brought to us again. Uh, So if if you have read it, uh, it's it's this language that you pick up, uh, for example, in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 2. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and re- rises up. Uh, so there's that aspect. Uh, but as it goes, he paints this picture of bringing down those who are proud, those that are tall, uh, those who are uh, greater or lift themselves up above the others. And that you particularly see in verse 3. It says, do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. And then what really is uh, phenomenal is if we go to the end of 2 Samuel. Just to get a glimpse uh, toward the end of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 22, you get this song of praise that, that David declares. And it paints something very interesting for us in light of what we read in Job. Uh, and I just want to highlight some of these things for us. Listen to the first part of uh, this praise that David gives. He says here in uh, 2 Samuel 22 verse, uh, verse 2, he said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior from violent people. You save me. So the first picture that David paints is one of God being strong, stable, secure. He can rest in him. He can find shelter with him. He finds him to be immensely comforting to be able to reside and take comfort and rest in who God is. But there is another side to God that you need to pick up on. 
uh, listen to this as he says, uh, as he paints this picture of uh, this Lord, this God that he serves, that is whose anger is roused against the enemy that comes against him. And this you pick up in verse 9. And listen to these words. It says in verse 9, Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him and the dark rain clouds of the sky. And so you get this incredible picture of this ferocious God. Uh, He's a stable God for David, but also he's a ferocious God against those that are the enemies of David. And so this is just interesting to pick up on that language and to see he brings down the hoity, the proud, the arrogant, those that are opposing him. And he comes against him. And so it's interesting to pick up that in verse uh, 33 and 34 of Job 41. Nothing on earth is equal, a creature without fear. It looks down on all that are hoity. It is king over all that are proud. Now, he's not equating himself to a creature. But he's saying, look at this creature and see that my very nature is engraved into what you see in front of you. Job, look at the Leviathan. An enemy of the Leviathan will regret the day that it laid a hand on the Leviathan. I will be roused against the enemy and I will, my nostrils will burn uh, and flames will come from my, from my mouth. I will, I will avenge the enemy. And so Job here, lying in his state of brokenness as we get to the end of Job, he is given this image of saying, those that seek me will find refuge in me. They will play in my presence. If you can paint that picture of the behemoth where the creatures are playing around it, taking comfort. But those that oppose, those that try and lay a hand on the Leviathan, I will the the proud the arrogant they will be brought down they will be they will f- regret the day that they ever did it and so you have this beautiful image of the behemoth and the leviathan creating a contrast but also it gives us a picture for us of actually how god has demonstrated who he is as well he is a god that we can take refuge in but if we are an enemy to him he will absolutely destroy us he is a ferocious Leviathan-like figure that uh, will bring about destruction, and all those that throw that come against him with weapons, with arrows, with whatever it may be, uh, will ultimately uh, regret the day that they do it. Because, as the picture is painted, the Leviathan is the king of over all the proud. Isn't that fantastic? Actually, to see that picture, just to get a glimpse of what. Is being said here. And God, in His incredible wisdom, shows us through these two pictures of these two images not only that He is Lord over creation, but that even as you look at creation, you get a glimpse of how incredible He is. That He is a God that can be, that we can find comfort in, but that we can also fear, depending on where we stand. If we If we long to serve Him, if we love Him, if we trust in Him, if we seek Him, There is comfort, there is refuge, but if we are opposing him, if we are trying to lay a hand on him with malicious intent, he will destroy us. And so 
we have this beautiful picture painted for us. But now we need to go back to the first section that uh, the Lord really asked Job. And listen to these words from verse, uh, verse 9 to 14 in chapter 40. Do you have an arm like God's? And can, you voice, can your voice thunder like His? And adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Here is where uh, God is looking at Job. And he's saying, if you really think you can save yourself, then do so. Bring down the humble. Bring down the proud. Bring them down. Very similar language that you find describing the king over the humble and the proud, which is painted and wrapped up in the Leviathan. And it helps us to see that God is using these two creatures not to simply paint pictures of the creation that he has made, but actually to paint a picture of who he is. He is a God that we can take refuge in. But if we oppose him, he will bring us down. And those that are opposing God are the proud. And the proud will be brought down. But he says to Job, Job, if you can save yourself, if you are able to do that, it will be evident if you are able to humble and bring down and justify and do what, what is needed. Bring down the proud. Bring down those that are higher than they should be. Do that. Be just. Be fair. And I will then say that you can save yourself. But if you can't, then recognize who I am. So this passage, in God's incredible wisdom, he turns to Job and he says, look at these creatures, look to them, see how they function, see how they represent who I am. I'm a God of safety and security, but I'm also a God of wrath and justice. I am the king over all creation. I have the ability to bring down and raise up. Next week, we are going to take a look at Job's response. But it is fantastic to hear how Job responds. Because as he looks at this, he is able to now say, I have heard, now I see. And how fantastic is that, that for Job, he, he begins to see something. And I hope that for you today, you begin to see something of that in God. Maybe you've questioned it, maybe you doubt it from time to time, but know that if you are if you long for him, if you turn to him, turn to Jesus Christ, long for more of him, recognize that Jesus Christ is your refuge. He is the one in whom you can take shelter. But if you reject the Son, if you reject Jesus, well then you face an incredible, incredibly frightening picture. Of judgment as this creature, this Leviathan like creature becomes our enemy. And if that frightens you, then the Lord should frighten you all the more. Um, but the Lord shows Job this. And what is beautiful is that Job isn't filled with fear of it, but he takes comfort in it. 
But you need to hang on to that and come back next week and we'll look at why Job takes comfort in what we have looked at this morning. So I hope that this challenges you. I hope it gets you excited to just think a little bit deeper and more about who the Lord is. That he is a Lord of comfort, but he is also a Lord of justice. He is a Lord that is able to be meek in so many ways that we see in Jesus Christ, but also to be one that must be feared for what he can become if you are going to oppose it. So I hope this excites you. And join us for next week as we turn to the last section and we draw this book to a close. Hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you all again next week. Cheers, bye.